Welcome to Stories from Cumberland, the podcast about the 2019 Youth Media Lab at the University of North Texas. Previously on this podcast, we've discussed the Youth Media Lab and its work teaching young people in foster care how to understand and create media. In this episode, we will be exploring one of the major outcomes sought by the YML, the ability to advocate for oneself through storytelling. The Cumberland residents previously worked under different constraints like they might for a class assignment iPad exercise on their first day gave them explicit directions, and the other projects fell under some type of guideline or restriction. What we finally wanted to do with these extravagantly talented young people was to help them tell their own stories. We wanted them to know that no matter who they were or where they came from, they could tell stories to affect change, from the personal level onward. If the first week of the workshop was about helping them understand the inner workings of their favorite movies, TV shows, and other media, then the second week was all about letting them make something completely their own. Now that the Cumberland residents had the skill set, and more importantly, the confidence, to create their own media, we encouraged them to think of what they wanted to share with the world. Teaching fellow Ebony Johnson told the teens they could make anything they want. The only major constraints we placed on them were the laws we had to follow about not recording the residents' faces. There's certain things that you may not want to talk about, and that's perfectly fine. There's certain things you can communicate in another way through a different medium and you don't even have to talk about yourself personally and that's perfectly fine but it's just having a heart and having a message that we can all all connect to that's important. This required planning on the part of our students. What's the story? Who is it for and why? How will you tell it? Broken into groups yet again led by UNT teaching fellows like the week before, most decided to explore their own experiences with the foster care system. Each group was able to develop their own project, telling vastly different stories in their own ways. Storytelling is a broad concept that encompasses many interpretations and goals, but always consists of some common components. One of these is a theme, which is the underlying idea that ties all the other concepts together. Ebony explains. Any good story is going to have a universal tie in their theme. And that means that it's going to connect with us emotionally. As we are going to experience life in different ways, but we all are going to experience strife, we're going to experience happiness, we're going to have joy, we're going to have heartbreak. But if you can have a central message that we all can connect to, then that's going to make your story that much more powerful, okay? One group wanted to call out people who misunderstood and misrepresented them, something we have all probably wanted to do at some point or another. They saw directly addressing their audience, which was people who judged them, from their own point of view as the most effective way to achieve this. This group used kinetic typography, which is really just a fancy way to say moving words, to caption a voiceover piece about perspectives and stereotypes. By directly addressing the audience with assumptions they may have about foster care, they spoke for themselves and set the record straight on who they are. What I really want is to prove a grown-up wrong. That'll make me feel powerful, dude. It's like I probably know more about it. I know there's lots of things that you have experienced that you understand that adults don't. You haven't experienced it. So it may not be, quote, proving someone wrong, but you are an expert in something, and I guarantee I am not an expert in. The teens provided input on what each of them wanted to say and how to put it together. They assumed complete creative control, selecting background music and even fonts and colors to represent their own speaking parts. They let themselves shine through their words, and the theme was clear. I'm my own person, and no one can tell me any different. They willingly like shared you know, their past and their trauma a little bit, and they found ways to support one another and found connections to their own stories. 
And I was just really touched. Like they were that willing and trusting of us to share that, that intimacy um, of their life and to have that moment of trust and understanding that these kids have gone through so much, but they are willing to open up to people they only known probably like seven days um, is amazing. So. The audio group represented themselves. However, some other stories rely on made up characters to stand in for people and ideas. A project chock full of character in the other sense of the word was the only one to not focus on issues related to foster care. Instead, the sketch comedy show produced by a group of boys told many short stories centered around the antics of its host, one of the youngest residents of Cumberland, who got around our no faces rule by donning a mask of the UNT mascot, Scrappy the Eagle. As this real life cartoon ran around the studio, reacting to images on the green screen behind him and dodging shoes thrown from off screen, his groupmates giggled with delight. <laughs> was it just like recording or what? Yeah, just recording. This yeah. is the first thing. Uh, the first thing. <laughs> Remember, this is what we're watching. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that segment for some reason. <laughs> this character that he adopted became an extension of the creative energies of himself and his cohorts. This group consisted of some boys who tended to not be interested in most of the other projects the week before, but something about the studio resonated with them. Teaching fellow Brittany Smith worked with this group that week. During the second week, whenever we were working in our groups, um, our group, they had their ups and downs, but um, there's this one kid, and during the first week, he wasn't really involved in like our small group breakout project things. Um, but in the second week, like he really like got very involved because we were in the TV studio and he was very interested in doing like technical directing and he also helped whenever like we got stuck in a rut and like he pitched some ideas and things like that and he was very involved in like the editing so that was really cool to see him like open up. The resources available allowed them to put their wacky personalities into the show and have a fun time doing it. You just have to give people time like in life in general like um, people aren't going to do what you want them to do, like, whenever you, like, want them to do it, like, they'll kind of come into it on their own. And so, like, with media, I think that's really important because, like, there's all these people trying to create stories and content, but it's, like, just, like, coming into your own, like, going at your own pace and things like that. The third group also relied on characters using them to tell a fictional narrative about two sisters in the foster care system. To achieve this, they developed a plot based on their own lived experiences, and the story took place in settings they found familiar. Their homes, a CPS office, and even Red Lobster. The plot is the surface narrative of the story. While themes tie everything together, the plot is the vehicle that keeps everything moving. The setting or settings are where the plot takes place. Since they couldn't show their faces or travel to shoot on location, this group was inspired to experiment with a completely new technique. The girls originally wanted to use sand art, however, that proved to not work for what they wanted to do. How's the sand art supposed to work? Well, supposed to draw something, like draw one of our story lines from it, but it ain't coming out right, so we're gonna do the end credits and all our names and stuff at the end. We just write it on there. 
Mm -hmm. So just trying to draw it. Taking on stop-motion animation, this group of inventive young women had to draw cutouts of various characters and take pictures of them moving in each setting of their story. On top of that, they had to create an entire screenplay, record their lines and Foley, then edit it all together piece by piece. Here's teaching fellow Danielle Pagano, who worked with this group. Yesterday when we were editing, everybody was involved. One person was editing, then the other person was finding the music and creating the poster, and everybody was really invested in it. And then today, when we saw the screening, they were all super excited and they loved it. Even though we were terrified they weren't gonna like it, because we did like the final thing. And they were like, it was so great. And it was just really great to see how happy they were. Even though it was made of paper and crayons, the experience and places shown in this story are very real to the girls who made it. Much like the audio group, they were showing their lived experience through their own interpretation. For me, media is a way that you somebody can tell their story in whatever way they choose, and they can say whatever they want that they normally can't say, and that's why media is so cool for me. They did not want to make a sad story. Rather than being about the hardship and conflicts they face, their plot focused on themes of reuniting with family and realizing that everything will be alright in the end. Conflict is the last critical component of storytelling. Like stories, conflict is a part of life. A part of life these young people are unfortunately all too familiar with. Dr. Vickery believes these young people can channel their negative emotions and experiences into positive outcomes, however. What I think is great is when I see emotions that often get labeled as negative, such as anger, mm -hmm. and seeing it get channeled in a productive way. So there was a, you know, a particular um, participant who did have a lot of frustration and anger at how she felt kids in foster care were perceived, in how she felt that adults did not listen to her. Um, she felt that you know she was told on the one hand to be an advocate for herself, and on the other hand she was told that she was being too loud or too bossy or talked too much. And you see this frustration and you, and you hear it and you feel it for them, and then media becoming a way to like creatively and productively express that. And instead of saying, tone down that emotion, reminding them, okay, you now have a platform. You're making a film, think about who your audience is, what do you want them to understand, what do you want them to feel, what do you want them to do as a result of your film, or as a result of your audio piece. And so taking these emotions that are often they are told to control and instead saying, I want you to just lean into that emotion and creatively and safely express it and know that someone is going to listen to that. Um, and you have ownership over that emotion and you have ownership over that piece. The last group wanted to bring their own conflicts to the fore by producing a short documentary in which they asked people around the UNT campus about statistics regarding foster care and adoption. Many of their interviewees were shocked by how out of touch they were with issues of the foster care system. Let's think about that. These young people were able to research and then teach college students the hard truths of foster care. Not only were they given the chance to share their stories and perspectives through media, they had a direct impact on people they met face to face with. The conflict of their peace was front and center as people admitted their own ignorance. Working on this documentary was also able to bring together two of the residents who had been at odds with each other throughout the workshop, and presumably, at home. Teaching fellow and MFA student Ryan Klim witnessed the feud firsthand. So they tend to clash a lot. And it, it really sucks because they got super upset at each other yesterday. Like, Abby stormed out of the room multiple times asking for, like, counsel from uh, Pastor Katie and the rest of the Cumberland staff and even some UNT students. 
Um, we weren't able, Tim and I weren't able to do too much about that. Um, but we were able to kind of use media to kind of resolve that as we were trying to bring it back to our project. Despite their differences, having to cooperate on a project they both cared about helped them work together. We were using our project to kind of divert their feelings towards foster care, CPS, whatever's on their mind, whatever they feel emotionally, whether it's sad or upset or any other type of emotion, they can use this video to kind of divert their feelings towards that. So we were able to use that during our audio bit and use like, ask them, what do they want to change? What do they think about this? And they both had similar answers and they were both able to kind of grow upon that and kind of almost forgive each other in a way, mm -hmm. even though I don't know if it was completely solved, but at the time it was so heartwarming. It was like mag magnets attracting, right? So they were just like onto the mic Let's get this done. We're doing this because we need to, because other people need to hear this. We're fighting for a common cause. So I think they're able to set aside their differences. Media do not have to divide us. In fact, they can be a very powerful way to inform and unify people. It does not matter who you are or what your story is. You can learn to advocate for yourself and amplify that message through media. Uh, media just, it influences our daily life, even subconsciously, um, and it's very, powerful and important and I think we as young people are even us teaching the youth um, that type of consciousness is just allowing them to empower themselves and their own voices so it's a it's a way to storytell and it's a way to connect humanity um, in probably the most intimate way I think when you watch a film there's no barriers of race or politics or anything like that you're just in a moment for however long you know sharing this intimate experience and so media for me is, is really about just connecting people and so that's why it's important telling these stories is important for young people in their situation it's not enough to have someone speak for them they need to be able to advocate for themselves in an increasingly mediated society the skills they learned in the Youth Media Lab allow them to rise above the noise and get the word out. So, I don't know, it really just is about, I guess, humanizing. This whole thing is about putting a story to a stereotype in a sense and like knowing that they're people and that they're just youth and they're teenagers and they wanna do crazy things, but they also have the discipline to like commit to a two-week program like this and tell a story, so. Some of the residents wanted to be able to change the world, or even just their local community, while others just wanted to make their audience laugh. Going forward, I think some of them might even want to do both. I'm probably going to make a whole channel, like a YouTube channel, mm -hmm. that inspires others to, like, do what they think is right, like, to be productive in life. That's and really like awesome. not let anyone bring you down just because of the things you you've done the things you're doing now or what's happened in the past to you it doesn't matter nothing matters no one should judge you no one should ever judge you with all the content there is to consume these days we wanted to ensure the teens that people were paying attention to do so we staged a screening of their projects for the staff at cumberland that was also open to the general public friends and family came out to support them and enjoy their creative works as these young media producers would soon see, they really could do big things on the big screen. 
Thank you for listening to episode four of Stories from Cumberland. Episode five, Showtime, is up next. If you've made it this far, I surely hope you're enjoying the podcast. Do us a favor and give this show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are currently listening. Every review helps get this podcast and its important topics into the ears of others. Of course, we would also love for you to tell your friends about us. You can learn more about the Youth Media Lab online at mediaarts.unt.edu. Information about Cumberland Presbyterian Children's Home and how you can help can be found on their website, cpch.org.